I want you to get your Bibles and go with me once again to the book of Psalms, Psalm 18 and then Psalm 144. We um, began dealing with this on Sunday morning. I told you then I might just pick it up again on Tuesday night. And uh, I'm telling you, I have not been able to get away from it. And uh, today, it's just been settled in my heart. This is where we need to be. This is what we need to be dealing with right now. And it is, uh, it is vital. Now, I apologize for um, those who tried to listen via YouTube on Sunday morning and were not able to. I went back and checked our YouTube channel and there's a grand total of 34 seconds, I think, or something that's that's there, um, maybe 34 minutes, I don't know, but I, I don't think it was that long. Uh, just a few seconds that's, uh, that's actually there, but um, if you media men will help me remember, um, it recorded on Facebook, I'm sure we can get it off of that and put it onto YouTube. So we really need to do that. I feel like this is a crucial study and I want everyone to be able to have access to it. And um, for those of you that may not have heard Sunday morning's lesson, again, you can't go to YouTube right now. We're going to try to fix that. But you can access our Facebook page even if you don't have Facebook. Uh, The church page is a public page. So you don't have to to have a Facebook account to get to the church Facebook page. And you can go there and scroll through all of the services that we've done online. They are all there. They are all available. And I would encourage you, if you did not hear Sunday morning's lesson, I would encourage you to do that. Um, The Twitter account, Brother Josh just said, is also public and you can you can do it that way uh, just be careful about saying anything on Twitter because they'll shut your account down if they don't like what you say um, I got an email last night a satire site got shut down for spreading false information and it's satire um it's crazy. Now they did send out a letter of apology, but the problem was they had a half a million followers before their account was deleted. And then um, by the time the email came out, they had a grand total of 5,000. Uh, so be that as it may, just, just know that if you're a conservative, your ideas are not welcome on Twitter. So be careful what you say there. Praise God. Um, What's that got to do with anything? Well, we're learning to make war. That's what. All right. Psalm 18 and verse number 34. Psalm 18. I'm struggling a little bit with my voice tonight. I know the Lord will help me. Psalm 18, verse 34. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken 
by mine arms. Then turning to Psalm 144. Psalm 144, almost to the end of the book of Psalms. Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. So tonight we are going to pick up with part two of this series of study, and um, I'm starting to feel a little bit more like a pastor and not an evangelist, uh, coming back and teaching series again. It's been a while since we've done it, but um, I really feel this, feel like it is so, so very, very important. So we're going to give you part two of learning to make war. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you uh, lift your hands, lift your voices? I'm telling you, we, we, need to, we need to make a little war here tonight before we even get started. Let's press our way through right now. Let's pray for God to give us liberty and victory. That the word of God could have free course right now. Let's, let's talk to the Lord right now, Jesus. Thank you. Why don't we give God some praise right now? Let's give God some praise. Come on, let's give him praise. Everybody, everybody, let's give God praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I've still got so far to go. I had a goal on Sunday morning of how far I wanted to get, and I didn't make it. I might have maybe gotten halfway to where I had hoped to get Sunday morning. So I've still got a lot of territory to cover. Don't get too nervous. We'll just break it into more pieces. And um, we'll do our best to, to remain aware of the time. And um, uh, we'll do our best to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost in the process. But I made some statements on Sunday morning. I'm not going to do an extensive review uh, because, number one, I've got so far to go. And number two, it's only been two days since I taught 
part one. And so hopefully you haven't forgotten it all in two days. If you have, no, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to stay out of politics tonight. Um, anyhow, I hope you haven't forgotten in two days. hope you haven't forgotten in two days. But I will tell you this. I do believe that we are at a very crucial juncture for our church, number one. That we are, we are facing the prospect of breaking into the greatest revival we have ever known. But the other option is not just maintaining. I'm telling you that if we don't win, there is no tie in this war. There is no draw in this war. We either win it or we lose it. And if we lose the war, that means we go back to the beginning and have to start fighting all over again. I, I believe that I can speak at least for the majority of this assembly tonight that you agree with me I'm not willing to go back to square one. We're going to fight our way through and we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to build and we're going to see greater things in the days ahead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We are at war. I mentioned to you that I had spoken with a few pastors who shared with me uh, that they and their churches have been fighting. Spoke with another one just in, in very recent, well, yesterday, I guess, or the day before, I don't know, time, where am I? Praise God. Um, but anyhow, sometime in the last 48 hours, Sometimes since I taught the last lesson, I spoke with yet another pastor who is experiencing some of the same things we're experiencing. I'm telling you that we really are in a, in a major war right now. We are in a war. And the amazing thing is that these four pastors, none of them are in the same state as, as the other. So we're talking about different areas of the country. We're talking about everything from home missions churches to churches that run several hundred and, uh, and, and everything in between. And they are facing some of the same battles that we're facing right now. And I'm going to tell you this. We do know that the church is destined to be victorious. There will be a church that comes through it. There will be a church that wins. Amen. But it's up to every local assembly to make up our minds that we're going to put forth whatever efforts we have to put forth so that we can be a part of the winning side. Praise God. Now, I, I made reference on Sunday and we will we'll be referring back again to some quotes from the book entitled The Art of War. And uh, I'm not going to take time to talk about that book. Go back and listen to Sunday morning's message if you don't know what I am talking about there. But we are going to be making some references to it again tonight is why I even bring it up. But we talked about on Sunday the text that I have read in your hearing. 
And I pointed out to you that on these two occasions, early in the book of Psalms, Psalm 18, and then toward the end of Psalms, Psalm 144, the psalmist twice now has made reference to the fact that God taught him how to fight properly. Now, now look, I didn't say this Sunday, but I feel this right now. In fact, if it would have come to me Sunday, I'd have said it, but there's a reason why it didn't. But I want you to remember that David, when he says God taught me how to fight, David did know how to fight physically, but he also knew when he came up against Goliath, this is not going to be a test of skill. This is not going to be who is the best archer. Amen. Who is the best with a sword? That's not what this is about. He looked at Goliath and said, you've come to me with sword and with shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, that's a man that has been taught how to make war. Hallelujah. He knew when it was a physical battle and he knew when it was a spiritual battle. And there were times when he had to just let God fight it for him. He could have turned. He could have turned his differences with King Saul into a physical battle. Saul was certainly trying. Saul was, was throwing javelins. Saul was doing everything he can. He could. He was hunting David down. But I'm going to tell you, David never let it get into the realm of the physical. He never let it get into the realm of the carnal. But he always left it in the hands of God. David had something worth fighting for. David had an anointing. David had a promise. He meant that he would be king, but he didn't turn that battle into a physical battle. He understood we're dealing with spirits and it's up to God to give us victory. I'm going to fight this by the power of God, not by my strength, not by my skill, but I'm going to let God so this oh hallelujah help me Jesus help me Jesus praise God amen and we we understand we understand that now is the time we must fight David when he said God had taught him how to fight the implication of that statement of course was not just that God taught him how to fight but that God taught him how to fight and win. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I, uh, um, I've often said books are a preacher's life. And uh, they're our lifeline. We need to do as much reading as we can do. But I'm going to tell you, I don't just pick up every book I can find and read it. And I've had people try to push books on me. Uh, somebody was showing me some years ago a book written by a man. And on the back cover it said, This man has been so successful that he built a church that seated 1,500, I think, or 2,000 or something. And I thought, well, you know, that's an interesting way to say it. Because I'm not really that interested 
and how big the building was and how many it seated. I want to know how many is seated in that building. That's what I want to know. I want to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to listen to a man about how to build a church, I want to know that he knows how to build a church. One of the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes America ever made was, and, and, and I know this is, this is prehistoric times and you'd have to go back and find it written on tables of stone, you young people. But, but I'm going to tell you, there was, a, there was a turning point in the raising of children when I was very small, when a man by the name of Spock uh, wrote a book on raising children. The thing was, he didn't have a successful marriage. He'd never had any children. He didn't know anything about it. And yet America took him to be the expert on it all. Well, praise God. Amen. I don't want a man who has no kids. Now, now listen to me. If you want to find somebody that's got all the answers on raising kids, talk to somebody that doesn't have any. They've got all the answers. The problem is they've got the wrong questions. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, want, I want to look to somebody that has raised their children and done it successfully. That's the one I want to listen to. And I'm here to tell you, it's one thing to learn how to make war, but it's another thing to learn it, amen, from somebody that's successful, amen. And Brother Albritton preached it to us several months ago, amen. We're serving the boss that never lost. When we start learning from God how to make war, we're learning from someone who has a perfect record. He's never lost a battle. He has never walked away in 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 defeat he's never walked away in disgrace he's never walked away ashamed he has always been victorious if we'll let him teach us how to make war then we'll learn some principles amen that will allow us to be victorious as well praise god hallelujah amen amen and so we talked about that and then we went to a very important passage. And I'm nearly finished with the review here. I'm taking longer than I planned on, on that. But, but uh, I may finish what I had hoped to finish Sunday morning. Uh, but then we went into another passage that, that really is, is extremely important in learning to make war from a spiritual standpoint. And that passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We started reading uh, verse 3, and I told you we wanted to get through verse 6. We didn't make it that far, but we did learn some things in the verses we were able to discuss on Sunday morning. Hopefully, hopefully you learned some things. Hopefully you learned some things. About three of you did. Uh, the rest of you, we're going to try to get it back up on YouTube so you can learn some things too. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians. In fact, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 3, what we saw in that verse was that we do not war after the flesh. We talked about this. We can't reason our way out of it. We can't 
counsel our way out of it. We can't use, amen, human methods to try to win a spiritual battle. And that's what we are in right now. This is a spiritual battle and we can't war after the flesh. This is one of the reasons why I told you that uh, I didn't agree with everything in the book called The Art of War because really what he's doing is he's teaching people how to war after the flesh. And we don't war after the flesh. It's not the same kind of battle. Now there are some principles that he struck on that are good principles. But there was a whole lot that sounds more like the devil's way of doing things than God's way. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, verse 3, we don't war after the flesh. In verse 4, we saw that our weapons are not carnal. As I said, it's not going to be logic or reason. It's not going to be debate. We're not going to win this war through verbal arguments. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Our weapons are not carnal but we also learn they are mighty what God has given us may not be what the world is expecting but I'm going to tell you they work the things God has invested in the church will work they are mighty but we also learn they are only mighty through God I can't I can't come up here if I took 10 months to try to teach you. I couldn't give you enough principles to help you win if you're not going to pray your way through it. If you're not going to rely on the help of the Spirit. I'm telling you, our weapons are only mighty through God. And we need His help. We need His anointing. We need His unction. And they are mighty enough through God that they will pull down the devil's strongholds. And then finally we got to verse 5. And uh, we had already talked about verse 5 last Tuesday night. We talked about verse 5. And uh, we talked about it some more Sunday morning. And we're going to talk about it even more tonight because I didn't quite finish with verse 5. And there are some important things that we need to understand. Praise God. Amen. And some of this may get more into teaching than preaching, uh, more than what it did on Sunday morning. But there are just some things that I have got to say tonight. There are some things I've got to say to the people of God. Amen. However it comes out and however it comes across, it may not be red hot preaching, but it's going to be principles that work. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so when we got to verse 5, again, we, we saw immediately casting down imaginations. And uh, I, I said to you at that time that the principal way this spirit that we're fighting and many, many other spirits, if not most, the principal form of attack is through our thoughts. And we have to learn how to be active, proactive even, about our thought processes. You, you've probably heard the old cliche, 
You know that you can't, you, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them make a nest in your hair. Right, and this is this is what everybody, new convert, old convert, whoever you are, you've got to learn this. Just because a thought comes into your mind doesn't mean you gotta sit and dwell on it. There are times you've gotta be active enough that you get a hold of that thought and you do something with it. Well, praise God. Give me verse five up here, Brother Josh, if you would. And so we gotta cast it down. And I, I did deal with this. I dealt with this on Sunday morning. In fact, this is where we closed on Sunday morning. Amen. Is that somehow we've got to get a hold of every negative thought, of every thought that says we can't do it, of every thought that says I can't make it, every thought that says I'm going to end up back out in the world, every thought that says the church is never going to get any bigger than it is, we're never going to see revival, we're never going to break through, listen to me, those are not the thoughts Jesus is putting in your mind, those are the thoughts of the enemy, and you got to cast those thoughts down. Hallelujah. And we have to adopt, we have to bring our thoughts into obedience to his thoughts, the obedience of Christ. And this is where we closed his thoughts for us. In fact, Brother Nelson came back and read the verse again on Sunday night. And, 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 uh, but his thoughts for us are always thoughts of victory. God's not looking for a way to pull the rug out from under us and make us fall flat of our face. God is looking for a way that he can undergird us and strengthen us. I want to tell you, child of God, God wants you to win more than you want to win. God wants you to come through every test victorious. God wants you to come through every trial, amen, with victory. God doesn't want you losing. God doesn't want you defeated. And any thought of defeat is a thought from the enemy. And we talked about Nehemiah and how all the things they faced, they still were able to get the wall built. The Bible said it was because the people had a mind to work. Every time somebody said something negative, they didn't let it lodge in their head. They didn't sit and dwell on it. They didn't, they didn't call uh, for a, a, a counseling session with others that thought the same way they think. And let me find somebody else that's discouraged. That's the one I want to try to counsel with. No, that's the wrong one. When you're discouraged, don't go look for somebody else that's discouraged. In fact, let me just throw this out there. If you're discouraged and you go to somebody and say, you know, I need somebody to talk to. I'm discouraged. And they say, well, I've been feeling the same thing. It's time to say, well, look, brother, I'll pray for you. But I need to go find somebody right now that's on top of things. Because if two discouraged people start, start trying to talk to one another, they're going to end up in deeper discouragement. Blinds leading the blind and they're both going to end up in the ditch. You need to find somebody that's got victory. Talk to them. 
And we discussed that last Tuesday night. We won't talk about that again. But I want, I want us to look at verse 5. We're going to spend a little bit more time here because there's something here I want to say. And this is where I'm going to have to slow the pace down a little bit. But I want you to follow with me here tonight. Amen. Not anything that I haven't said sometime in the past, but I felt this so strong to bring it before the church again tonight. In order to cast down imaginations, we have to learn to quit entertaining the thoughts that are contrary to what we know to be the truth. Now, let me throw this out there for you. I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that God is truth. John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All right, now, now, this is up here so you can look at it. Jesus saith unto him, what's the first two words here? I am. What's the first two words? Can everybody read those words? All right. Um, Jesus saith unto him, I am, not I have, or I know, or even I speak, but I am the way, what? The truth. The truth. Now this is crucial, saints. Jesus did not describe himself as being the possessor of truth. He did not describe himself as being the speaker of truth. He said, truth is who I am. It's not something he possesses or something he tells. It's what he is. That's why it's impossible for God to lie because God is truth. That's his nature. That's his character. Are you with me tonight? Jesus is truth. Now, the other thing we've got to understand is John 8 and 44. Listen to this, John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer. And abode not in, and in the truth. And look at this. The devil refused to live in the truth. Right? What was that great speech, that infamous speech, I should say, that he made when he decided to begin his rebellion? I will ascend into the heavens. Oh, no, you won't. I will be like the Most High. Oh, no, you won't. You know what's happening? He's entering into a realm where he is rejecting the truth. He does not want to live in the truth. Now, prior to him doing this, everything was truth. But when he made that decision and he crossed that line and he said, I'm not going to live in truth anymore, then something happened to the devil. 
Look at this. He abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth there in him. There is no truth in him. When he speaketh when a lie. When he speaks a lie. He speaketh of his he own. He speaks of his own. For he is a liar. Because he is a liar. And the father of And it. he is the father. Of lies. Every lie, every lie is a child of the devil. That's what this verse says. Now that's the Riggin Revised Version, but that's what it says. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. So every lie is a child of the devil. Now listen to me, church. This is why I'm telling you, when that thought comes in your mind that we're not going to see revival, or I'm not going to make it, or I just can't hang on anymore, you got to understand what's happening. you got the devil's child running around in your head. And you got to do something about it. Lies belong to the devil. Because he fathered them. And so I'm here to tell you that the moment we step into the realm of anything that's not true, whether it's something we're speaking or just something we're believing, we are now treading the devil's territory. Well, praise God. Listen to me. I'm a citizen of the United States. If I go to, uh, if I go to Russia and I get a gun and I get up and start speaking publicly against Putin and they arrest me, how much good does it do for me to say, wait a minute, I've got a First Amendment right of freedom of speech. And I've got a Second Amendment right to bear arms. Does any of that matter in Russia? See, I'm on their territory. And whatever rights I might have here don't apply when I'm in their territory. When I'm in their territory, I fall under their jurisdiction. They can do whatever they get ready to do. Now we hope and pray we can find somebody to go to bat for us. You know, the U.S. Embassy or somebody get us out of this trouble. But I'm just telling you, we can't go there and claim that we've got these inalienable rights. Because the other territory doesn't recognize them. And this is what I'm saying to the children of God. The minute we start walking in the realm of things that are not true, we have forfeited certain rights. You're saying, oh God, I need deliverance. I need deliverance. Well, I'm going to tell you the way you're going to get deliverance. Get out of the devil's territory. I hope this is making sense to you tonight. 
We, we've got to understand, saints, this is not, you know, it, it, we think it's just a thought. It's just a thought. No, no, no. I, I'm telling you that as he thinketh in his heart. Does anybody know what the rest of that verse is? So is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What we think about is what we become. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you tonight, when these things start coming into our mind that are contrary to what we know God has said, we've got to recognize it for what it is and get as far from it as we possibly can. Are you with me tonight? Amen. I'm going to tell you, there is only one way that we can break that uh, bondage that we find when we end up in the devil's territory called lies. And Jesus told us what it was. In fact, in this same chapter, in John 8, verse 32, here's what Jesus said. And, ye shall and know you the shall truth, know the truth. And the truth, and shall the make truth you free. is what's going to make you free. You want to know how to get out of that bondage? You got to learn the truth. You want to know how to get free from the things that are weighing you down? You got to know the truth. And we're not just talking about the truth of one God in Acts 2.38. I'm telling you. When the devil starts saying, you're not going to survive. If you entertain that, you've crossed the border. Are you hearing me? You've crossed the border. And you're walking on his land now. And you can rebuke him all you want to. But you don't have that authority anymore because you're on his territory. There's only one way to get out of that. And that is come to know the truth of the matter. So when he starts telling you, you're not going to survive. You're going to backslide again. You're going to be lost. You're not going to make it. You got to say, wait a minute, devil. I'm getting out of this territory just as fast as I can. I don't want to end up here. I don't want to end up where you can do what you please with me, with my mind, with my life. I'm going to find the truth of the matter. And the truth is, amen, that I am more than a conqueror through him that love me the truth is God has got the power to set me free God's got the power to keep me I don't have to be lost I don't have to go back on God I feel this tonight I feel like I'm talking to somebody tonight I'm telling you when those thoughts come into your mind you got to understand the devil's trying to push you across the border he wants to get you over onto his territory and the only way you're getting out of that is to come to know the truth listen 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 we got to be careful what we believe about ourselves We've got to be careful what we believe about ourselves. Because if we believe a lie, what did the Apostle Paul say? Because they receive not the love of the truth, what's going to happen? God's going to send a strong delusion. Why? That they might believe a lie 
that they all might be damned. That's, that is the ultimate result of living in the devil's territory of lies. It's damnation. Now, now, look, let me go a little farther here. Number one, uh, that's what my old pastor used to say. He'd always say, let me go a little farther here. Let me go a little farther. Praise God. I just thought about it. I didn't, it just came out. But anyhow, um, let, let me go a little farther here tonight. We gotta, we've got to reject the lies the devil tells us about ourselves. But we also have to reject the lies the devil tells us about our brothers and sisters. You know what he'll do? Listen to me. I've been around long enough. You know what he'll do? You'll walk into church one night and somebody look at you and just look the other way. And the devil starts saying, they don't like you. Now, it may be they just heard something. And, and look, I don't know if anybody else is this way. I don't think I'm the only person on earth like this. But there have been times I've literally looked people in the eye and it just didn't register with me who I was looking at. That's the truth. My mind is a million miles away. And, and I'm thinking on something totally different. I had somebody tell me one time, said, you just sat and stared at my feet forever. What? I really had somebody tell me that. I, I have no clue what you're even talking about. My mind is somewhere else. I have this condition called zoning. And I get there a lot. I get into a zone. In fact, this is the truth. A lot of times when I'm preaching, I've had people come to me after service. I'm so sorry. My kid was acting bad tonight. I'm so sorry. I say, your kid was acting bad? I, I didn't notice it. I'm, I'm, I mean, they got to be really bad before I notice it. I mean, like, you know, crawling over pews and, and ripping pages out of the songbook or something, you know, making paper airplanes out of Bible pages. And it's got to get pretty bad before I finally really notice because when I'm preaching, I got one thing on my mind. I got to deliver what's on my heart. And that's the truth. That's the truth. I zone. I zone. But listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. The devil will use anything he can. And there are times somebody may have just had a really bad day and they're not meaning to do it. They don't intend to do it. You speak to them and they just kind of brush you off and walk on. They're not trying to be rude to you. But the devil is going to plant something in your mind to try to get you to believe there's a problem there. You want to know why he does that? Because he wants to drag you across the border. We have got to quit listening to every lie that comes along. I've had, I've had people say, preacher, you got up and preached tonight exactly what I counseled with you about nine months ago. Okay, as if I remember nine months ago. <laughs> ask me about when I was four. I've got some pretty vivid memories of when I was four and five. Don't ask me about nine months ago. Don't ask me about nine hours ago. I don't know. 
Hallelujah. I'm just being honest tonight. I'm just being honest tonight. Just telling you the truth. But, but, but look, first of all, if I don't ever preach about things that people have talked to me about, then I'm going to have to start preaching about hunting elephants in Africa. Because I've never had anybody come counsel me, uh, counsel with me about that. I've had a few people ask about it. What's it cost you? I have no clue. I've never done it. All the trips I've made, I've never gone hunting over there. So I don't know. You have to ask somebody else. But I'm just saying, I, 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 I hope that you realize and understand, I don't use the pulpit to try to target things you've said to me in private. But you've got to give me the liberty to be able to deliver what I'm feeling at the moment. Hallelujah. Because you know what? I can just about guarantee that if you're going through it, there's a few others in the church going through it too. And so if I can't address it, they're not going to get the help they need. I've watched the devil. It's a very rare occasion when the devil just puts his finger on one person. It's a rare occasion. It's usually an all-out attack. And there's usually several that are going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. I'm just saying to you, we have got to be careful that we don't cross the border into the territory where the devil wants us to go. Husbands and wives, I'm telling you, the devil can start playing with your mind about each other. And create problems within your family that really don't even need to be there. Well, the devil's going to do anything he can to bring distraction and division and ultimately destruction. And generally, because it's the devil's nature, it's going to start with a lie. So the only way we're going to get free of this is we got to know the truth. Somebody comes, she says, I really need to confide in you because so-and-so did this and this. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Do you know for a fact this is true? Well, I got it from a reliable source. I've found some reliable sources that weren't nearly as reliable as I thought. It amazes me, and I've, I've, I've made the mistake, just like everybody else, that I get amazed sometimes on social media, stuff that people post. And then you look down at the bottom of it, and, and it'll say uh, something like, uh, I am making a fool out of you right now. I mean, it's not, not quite like that, but it's, it, it makes it pretty clear that this whole thing that they're sending you a link to is not true. It's satire. It's made up. But boy, they'll post it. People don't read the article. They just read the headline, and then they'll share it, and something will get shared 10,000 times, and people don't even stop to read it. But the, the reason it happens like that in social media is because it happens like that in our social circles. And somebody comes and tells us something they really believe to be true. But if they don't know it to be true, do you understand what you're playing with? Do you understand the danger of standing right there? 
Hello? I'm trying to help us, church. I'm trying to help us learn how to make war. We've got to cast down some imaginations. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me, let me just very quickly, I've got, to, I've got to hurry here. Let me very quickly give you two particular lies that I have felt in my spirit that I need to share with this church. Amen. Number one, I've seen this time and time again, especially with this particular spirit. And that is we come in, amen, to pre-service prayer or into church and we say, I'm just so tired all of a sudden. I just feel so wore out all of a sudden. And sometimes there's a very logical and real and physical explanation but I'm going to tell you there's a whole lot of times it's not physical at all I don't know how many times I have been in a service when I have felt so drained physically but I'd push myself to worship God and when the spirit of the Lord came you know what the apostle Peter called it he called it times of refreshing you know what Jesus said? He said, come to me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you, I will give you. Where are we going to find rest? We're going to find rest right here. But the devil wants you to believe I'm just too tired tonight. I'm just wore out tonight. I just don't have the strength tonight. I just don't have it in me tonight. Listen to me. You don't want to get close to that border. You don't want to get close to letting the devil put something in your mind. Well... Uh, I've, I've said for 24 years and really beyond that, I've said to you, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that finds a devil under every rock. But right now, there probably is one. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Right now, there probably is one. Right now, we're in the midst of war. And I'm telling you, the enemy is hot on our trail. He's breathing down our necks right now. He does not want us to break through this. You hear me? He does not want this going any farther. He wants to shut it down right here, right now. And so I'm going to tell you, even if you've been up for 48 hours without any sleep, I'd still come in and say, I rebuke you, devil. I'm going to worship God. I... It may not be the devil. It may be your body. But I don't care. How many times has the devil blamed you for something you didn't do? Why not turn the tables on him for once? Why not just look at him and say, devil, I'm not taking that. I'm not accepting that. I'm going to go ahead and give it my best. You might be surprised. I'm going to tell you, saints, there have been times... Honestly, I have stepped to this pulpit so sick, I, I didn't feel like I could even stand up. In fact, there have been a few times that I've, I, I've, I've let somebody know, Brother Goff or somebody know, and I am really sick tonight. I need prayer. But then I step to the pulpit, and once the anointing comes, everything's fine. When the anointing lifts, I'm right back to being just as sick as I was. But I'm going to tell you, I sure enjoyed the little bit of time that the anointing was there and the sickness left. I'm just going to tell you, I would rather press my way in to the presence of God. Amen. It may be literal, physical exhaustion, but I'm still telling you, you can find a place of rest in the spirit if you'll just push a little bit. 
That's what pre-service prayer is all about. Now I know, I know Tuesday night is difficult. I know some of you are doing good just to get to church. I'm not trying to beat you over the head. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, when we can, we ought to put forth every effort to be at church on time for pre-service prayer. When it's possible, we ought to be pushing ourselves and our family because that time's crucial. That's when I got to break everything that the devil's put on me. That's when I've got to get freedom in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart. I got to break through it so we can have church like God wants us to have church. We don't know. Oh, I feel this. We don't know at what moment that back door is going to open and an entire family that's been searching for God is going to come walking in those doors and sit down on a pew and they're hungry. And if we're here and we're just wore out and we're just too tired to worship, they might just walk back out and never come again. I'm not going to let that happen. If I can do anything to stop it, I'm going to push. I'm going to press. I'm going to fight. Hallelujah. I, I know my time's up. I know. I know my time's up. And I still hadn't even made it to my goal for Sunday morning. Now, now listen. One of the things that I read to you that I said was one of the devil's tactics. It came from the book, The Art of War. It said simply this, if he's taking his ease, give him no rest. In other words, when you see him starting to get exhausted, you see them starting to get weary, that's not the time to back up. That's not the time to play fair. I'm telling you, that's, that's, what, that's the way the devil looks at it. That's not the time to play fair. That is our opening that's when we jump on them. When they're too tired and too weak to fight back. I'm telling you, Bishop Tom Johnson told a story some years ago, and I know I've got to, I've got to hurry here, but he, he told a story some years ago about, about a, a, a horse that was being chased. This was a, a wild um, horse, and, uh, and it was being chased by a bear out in the woods that horse could outrun the bear but but the horse would run until it was exhausted it would stand there for a few minutes and look behind it and the bear was still plodding along it was still coming he read this story uh, uh, somebody told the story and he said he said this is this is what happened he said that that, that horse would, would muster the strength and run some more but he'd look back and that bear still just plodding along it wasn't going to give up and it tracked that horse I think for days the horse would try to get a drink and look and here comes the bear again and he just pursued and he pursued and he pursued and this is what they said he man the man who was was recording all of this he said finally at some point the horse was just so tired that rather than run he just turned around and walked back to the bear he just gave up I can't run anymore that's what the devil's hoping for that we get so tired we just throw in the towel but I'm going to tell you if every time that we come to church, we're getting stocked up, tanked up, filled up, prayed up. We'll make it another mile. Oh, hallelujah. 
if, if each morning we'll take some time to talk to God, you know what's going to happen? God's going to help us to make it a few more miles that day. We get our Bible down. We start reading it. You know what happens? God gives us a little bit of refreshing so we can make it a few more miles. You hear me? Amen. We've got it. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. We can outrun this devil. Amen. We don't have to surrender. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so... Some other things that comes from that book says, says in war, the way to avoid what, uh, the way is to avoid what is strong and strike at what is weak. I have seen enough African lions. They don't mind taking on any kind of beast. But generally, they don't go after, after the alpha male. Generally, they're going to find a cub. They're going to find a small one. They're going to go after the weak. And Peter said, your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He goes after the weak. He goes after the weak. He's waiting on you to just be exhausted and just give up from fighting. That's when he wants to take you down. When did he come after Jesus? It was when Jesus had just finished fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm telling you, I know he was God in flesh. But don't ever forget, he was God in flesh. He was human. He felt the weakness of a 40-day fast. He felt the exhaustion of a 40-day fast. He felt everything that any one of us would feel if we hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. Physically, he was as weak as he could be. And that's when the devil was, was bold enough. Let's fight now, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, 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 didn't you, why didn't you show up when he's feeding the 5,000? Why didn't you show up when he's calling Lazarus out of the grave? Why didn't you show up when he's opening blinded eyes? I'll tell you why. Because that's the way the devil works. He hits you when you're weak. Can you stay with me for just a couple more minutes here? Stay with me just a couple more minutes here. Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians 6 and 12, read. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Look, we're not wrestling flesh and blood. We're wrestling spirits, and spirits don't get tired. Spirits don't get weary. So they don't fight fair. Another thing that comes from that book, The Art of War, says this, when strong, avoid them. If of high morale, depress them. Seem humble to fill them with conceit. If at ease, exhaust them. Then attack their weaknesses. This is what he does. This is what he does. How many times have we walked out of high church only to have some of our worst problems hit us in the face? Anybody else ever had that? 
Say, what in the world's going on? Man, I just had good church. Why? I want to tell you why. Because when you've got high morale, he wants to see if he can send you to the depths of depression. Because when you're depressed, you're not going to think rationally. When you're depressed, your mind is open for any lie he wants to put there. When you're depressed, the whole world is against you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody understands. Hello? That's what depression tells you. Nobody knows. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. And so he's going to do his best to get you as depressed as he can get you. And listen to me, church. I've said it before. I say again. That is one of the key marks of the spirit we're fighting. I have found that over the last few years. That's one of the key marks of this particular spirit is you start feeling depressed. It generally, I'm going to tell you, it generally starts with exhaustion. That's where it starts. You just feel tired. You just feel wore out. But it then begins to, to, to increase. And, and before long, it's not just being tired and being exhausted, but, but then you reach a place where you just feel like you're swallowed up in darkness. And, and then when you're in that darkness comes this depression. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. But sometimes we forget about them. And we let our minds go where the devil wants them to go. I'm still preaching to you about, about casting down imaginations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a couple more minutes here. Amen. Just a couple more minutes. I want to tell you, here is, here is another lie. Here's another lie the devil wants you to believe. The reason that I'm struggling right now in prayer or worship is because somebody did me wrong. Somebody mistreated me. Somebody said something that hurt my feelings. No, that's not why you're feeling this way. That's not why you're feeling this way. You're feeling this way because you let it get to you. And they, as I said a while ago, they may not really have anything about it. And maybe they did. I'm going to tell you, Joseph's brothers sure meant to do him harm. But Joseph got a perspective about it. God allowed this to happen. God's taken me somewhere. God's got a throne waiting on me. If I got to get to the prison before I get to the palace, then take me to the prison. Because I'm not going to stay in the prison. God has me destined for the palace. Somebody listen to your pastor tonight. I, I'm going to tell you, maybe somebody is mean-spirited. Maybe somebody is being hateful. Maybe somebody is trying intentionally to hurt your feelings. But that doesn't mean you got to let it get to you. Why don't you get an attitude like David had? He, man, there was, uh, uh, they came out and cursed him. And David's men said, let me go over there, just lop off his head. And David said, no, the Lord may know I need a good cursing right now. That's what he said. Go back and find it. That's what he said. God may know this is what I need right now. Why don't you get that attitude? 
Instead of getting mad at the person who did it, instead of getting angry at the person who said it, why don't you say, you know, maybe God saw I was getting a little bit too arrogant. I was getting a little bit too comfortable. Maybe I just need to go find a place to pray again. Now, you don't like that near as well as what I was talking to you about, but I'm still talking to you about casting down imaginations. The devil wants you to believe that it's your brother or your sister or your boss or your coworker or your neighbor or your child or some family member. That's your enemy. I'm telling you, that's not the enemy. That's not the enemy. I think I mentioned this Sunday morning. The Art of War lists five essentials for victory. And one of those, one of those five essentials is he will win whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout all its ranks. Everybody, everybody in the troop if they can all do what happened in Acts 2 and come together in one place, be of one mind, one accord, we'll win this war. But see, the devil's MO has always been divide and conquer. Even in the art of war, the author says this, if they're united, Separate them. Oh, I'm telling you, that's the way the devil works. That's why, that's why these things happen to us. That's why sometimes, hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten carnal and said something you wish you hadn't said? If you haven't, I'm going to give an altar call in just a few minutes. Uh, you're either arrogant or lying. We've all gotten carnal. We've all failed to guard our tongue and said things that we wish we could take back, but we can't. What happened when you did that? Did you want people to hold a grudge for the rest of their life? Hello? Or did you want them to understand you were having a bad day, you didn't really mean it, and you want them to forgive you? Well, why don't you try doing for others what you want others to do for you? Seemed like somebody said that somewhere. How about having a little mercy and grace on somebody that may have said something? Maybe it was wrong. Maybe it did hurt you. But how about having a little mercy and grace? How about giving them a little bit of room? Oh, God, help me. i got to quit. But I'm going to tell you, I've dealt with people through the years. I've had people get mad at me because they said, you didn't deal with so-and-so. You should have dealt with them. Well, it's interesting. You want me dealing with them, but you don't really want me bothering you about your problems. At least not in the way you want me to deal with them. Because see, some people think if I don't address it publicly, it hadn't been addressed. 
you hadn't set in on some of my uh, office discussions. You don't know. You don't know how it's been dealt with. And you don't want everything you do to be addressed publicly. So why don't you, why don't you give me the grace to not deal with everybody else's problems publicly? Why don't you give grace to them? Maybe they did do wrong. Maybe they did something terribly wrong. But how about having a little mercy on them? Oh, somebody's not liking what I'm saying right now. But I'm just trying to help us to learn how to make war. I'm going to tell you what the devil wants is to have us divided among ourselves. Have us against one another. Have this side not wanting to speak to that side. I read a statement Sunday night in the letter to my wife. I said something about we tried to pastor Mississippi, but I never convinced those people uh, that that was my position. And, and, and look, I wasn't trying to be ugly about it. I'm just telling you the absolute truth. That particular church, the district superintendent told me that, that uh, he pastored it in 1960. And back then there were two separate congregations under one roof. And he said, when they got ready to elect a pastor, if word got to one side that the other side liked him, then, then, uh, then this side would absolutely, they don't care how much they liked him, they're going to vote against him just for spite. It happened. It happened. In fact, he told me it got so bad that they decided they were going to have a fight one night. And back then there was one big switch for the lights in the building. This is true. And they sat down. One side sat down and had a meeting. And each man was assigned a man from the other side that he was going to take that man out that night at church. I'm talking about whipping him, not killing him, but whipping him, fighting him. And they had one man that had a job to throw the light switch. And when he threw the light switch, it was free for all in church. And at the last minute, this is what district, super, district superintendent told me this. And he said the last minute the guy that was supposed to throw the light switch chickened out and didn't do it. And it just kind of fizzled. And it never happened, but they were planning on it. Now I'm going to ask you, what kind of revival can a church like that have? And you say, that's just ridiculous. But I'm going to tell you, the devil tries to get every church to be just as bad. We may not be ready to... to punch them in the eye, but we're ready to say something about them. We're ready to destroy their character. We're ready to tell somebody else how bad they've been. Come on, saints. Let me be a pastor for a little while. I've been an evangelist now since about February of this year. Let me pastor a little bit here tonight. we got to win this war, and we're not going to win it until we get everything out of our hearts, uh, until we forgive one another, until we start loving one another, until we can... Uh, I know in COVID we can't hug necks and shake hands, uh, but I'm going to tell you, it ought to be the desire of our heart. Uh, I can't wait uh, until I can make sure my brother and my sister knows uh, I don't hold anything against them. I love them. We got to win this war together. We got to fight this fight together. I need you. I need your help. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Real quick, real quick, let me just finish verse 6 and then, and then, and then I got one scripture after verse 6 and, and then I will have reached my goal for Sunday morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 
verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I know it's been difficult because we've been breaking all these verses up. So it's hard to kind of get the flow of what's being said. But, but you know, we're, 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 we are we're not fighting after the flesh. And our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we've got to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's the end of verse 5. And then verse 6 he says this. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, what obedience is he talking about? Well, in context, verse 5. You bring your thoughts into obedience Christ, right? So the whole subject here has brought us down to the point that we understand our mind is either going to be a weapon of destruction for us or it's going to be a weapon that fortifies and strengthens us. But it depends on what we do with our thought processes. But here's what happens. When we bring our thoughts into obedience, it brings your will into obedience. I said a while ago, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you'll bring your thoughts into obedience, your will follows. Hallelujah. And listen to me, saints. This is what he said. He said, when all of this happens, we're going to be ready to revenge all disobedience. Now, who who brings about disobedience? Disobedience is the kingdom of the devil. Let me show you. I'm going to close. Musicians, come. I've, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. Psalm 149, verses 5 through 9. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud Let upon their beds. sing aloud. Listen, listen. Let me stop right there. Here's a good key right here. When you go, bed, go to bed tonight, you don't have to literally sing a song. But there ought to be words of praise that come from your lips before you go to sleep tonight. Let the last thing you say be words of praise to God. While you're laying on your bed, when you wake up in the morning, before you check Facebook, before you have your first cup of coffee, uh uh-oh, I snuck that one in on you. You weren't expecting that one at all. I'd, I'd gone from preaching and started meddling now. Before you do anything else, before, you, before your feet touch the floor, why don't you offer some praise to God while you're still laying on your bed? The last words at night and the first words in the morning 
just some words of praise to God. You know what happens? It kind of keeps your mind running along a certain vein of thought. Now, let's, let's keep reading here. Verse 6. Yes, sir. Let the high praises of God Let be the in their high mouth. Praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute now, vengeance. Now, now, the high praises of God in your mouth, and then pick up that two-edged sword. And between your praise and God's word, something's about to be accomplished. What is it? Verse seven. To execute to vengeance execute, upon wait a minute, the heathen. Wait a minute. Paul said having in readiness to revenge all disobedience. The psalmist said, if you'll be joyful in glory, sing aloud on your beds, let God's high praises be in your mouth and His word in your hand, he said you will execute vengeance on the heathen. And punishments upon, punishments the, people. upon the people. To bind, their, to kings bind with their kings with chains. And their nobles with fetters their nobles of iron. With fetters of iron. To execute upon and them execute the judgment upon written. execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his this saints. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. And that is one word in the Hebrew. Anybody know what that word is? Huh? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. This is what the psalmist told us. There is a process of getting our minds to come into obedience to Christ. And when we do, we're wrapping chains around the devil. Hey, church, it's time for us to not just be on the defense. I'm sick and tired of the spirits that have beat us down. It's time for us to wrap some chains around those spirits. It's time for us to bring vengeance upon them. We can't do it carnally. We can't do it physically. But if we we can get our minds in the right train of thought. I'm telling you, our days can be different. Our church services can be different. We can bring vengeance on the spirits that want to destroy us. Now let's everyone stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord together. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice? I know the hour's late. I know you got to get home. I know you got to get to work tomorrow. I understand that. But I wonder if we could afford just a few minutes of really reaching out to God right now and asking Him to help us to cast down imaginations and everything, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ so that we can start bringing vengeance 
on the spirit that wants to destroy us. I'm going to tell you, it's victory time, church. We can't spend the rest of our life in defense mode. We can't spend the rest of our life, amen, just trying to maintain status quo. We got to go after revival. We got to pursue revival. But there's something standing in our way. But thank God, we've got some tools. We've got some weapons. We've got some methods where we can bring the enemy down and we can start conquering brand new territory in the Holy Ghost. If you want to just do it where you're at or if you want to come down around the front tonight, I just think we need to take some time and talk to God. We need to take some time and ask Him to help us to change our thought processes. Help us to recognize when we're standing on the border of the devil's territory. Help us, amen, to get as far from there as we can. Oh, come on, let's reach out to the Lord. The altar's open if you want to come. Let's reach out to the Lord. Let's reach out to the Lord.